Now, I know you heard a few minutes ago that we're going to look at parables starting next week, but I thought it'd be good to get kind of an advanced start on that by looking at a short parable, just two sentences long. So here's the parable that'll help us understand something about the connection between hope and Easter. Jesus said to his disciples, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now that's a paradox, isn't it? It doesn't seem to make sense. Wait a minute, are you saying that fruitfulness only comes through death? It's through death that life arrives? How does that make sense? And yet if you're a farmer or a gardener, you know something about the truth of that. And that's what Jesus says. There are three points in that two-sentence parable. Now, two of the points are obvious. The first point is the death part, right? And it seems like a death. I'm sure if you were to put yourself into the position of the seed, so pretend you're the little seed, right? One day you're thrown into a hole in the ground, dirt shoveled on top of you, it's dark, there's no sunlight, there's no air, and it seems like you're gonna die. That's the first part. But out of that seeming death, life comes and eventually the one seed grows and produces lots and lots of other seeds. And so there's the death of planting, but the life of harvesting. Well, there are the two points, but there's a third point to the parable. Now, they didn't give me much time this morning, so only farmers can answer. What happens between the planting and the harvesting? What happens, farmers? Oh, no farmers here. Waiting, waiting. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting, therefore I don't farm or garden. But there's a whole lot of time between the planting and the reaping. Last week, a few friends and I went to Peter Luger's for lunch, Peter Luger's Steakhouse in New York. And if you've ever been to Peter Luger's, yes, this steak is tremendous. But what I usually look forward to is the tomato and onion salad. Somebody said to me after the last service, are you crazy? You go to a steakhouse, the tomato and onion salad is great. But it's not a normal tomato and onion salad. You see, they have these giant tomatoes, larger than softballs, no joke. They slice them about a half inch thick. They have onions about the same size, slice them a half inch thick. They then alternate them on a plate, pour Peter Luger steak sauce across the top. That's your salad. Question, when I had my giant tomato onion salad, do you think they planted that tomato seed that morning before I got there, the day before? No, 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 whole lot of waiting between the planting and the reaping. You see, there are three points to the parable. Two sentences, but three points. There is a death, there is waiting, and then there's life on the other side. We see that paradox in nature all around us, and this time of year, we see it. Death, waiting, life. But you know, that parable is also a principle that we see throughout the entire Bible. In fact, if we had time, I could literally mention to you dozens of incidents that follow the three parts to the parable. Let me just mention a few. How about Joseph? Well, Joseph's kind of, you know, following God, doing what he thinks needs to be done, and before you know it, he's in a prison. 
with no chance of getting out. My guess is Joseph felt like a seed thrown into a hole in the ground, covered over with dirt. There's no sunlight, there's no air. And my guess is Joseph probably thought he was gonna die in the prison. And there was a whole lot of waiting going on. But before the end of the story, Joseph is not only released, he becomes prime minister of Egypt and God uses him to preserve thousands of people alive. See the death and waiting and life? Or how about this one? Israel as a nation. Israel as a nation traveled in a desert. Talk about a place of death. In a desert for 40 years. Wandering around and around and around 40 years. In fact, they not only felt like it was death, they were sure they were going to die. They often complained to Moses by saying something like this. Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? So Pharaoh kind of bribed you to get all of us out of Egypt so that we'll all die in the desert? But before the end of the story, the Israelites crossed the Jordan River into the promised land, a land of plenty and fruitfulness and milk and honey. See how the story goes? How about a young guy named David? One day he finds himself in a, in a battle royal to the death with a goon named Goliath. And my guess is if you were to look at the two sides, you would have put your money on the big guy. He's the one with all the weapons. He's the one with all the armor. He's the one with all the protection. And here's David. He has nothing except a few stones in his hand. It sure seems like David is not going to make it. It sure seems like if anybody's going to die on that battlefield, it's going to be little David. But by the time you get to the end of the story, the big goon's dead and David's victorious. And David goes on to become the king of the country and he preserves lots and lots of people alive. How about a woman named Esther? Esther had a death sentence hanging over her head. She was going to be killed. Not only her, but all of her people, the whole country, all, all of the people in her ethnic group were going to be slaughtered. And it sure seems like she's going to die. All of her people are going to die. But before the end of the story, a whole lot of waiting. But after the waiting, there comes deliverance. Not only is Esther spared, but through Esther, all of the Jews are saved. And the Jews still celebrate that today. You see, the parable with its three points is actually a biblical principle. And the principle is, there is death and there's waiting, but there's life and fruitfulness on the other side. Come to think of it, that's the Easter story, isn't it? In fact, Easter is recorded for us lots of places in the Bible, but maybe one of the shortest is in 1 Corinthians 15. And when Paul tells the Easter story, he actually tells it in the same form as the parable. Here's what Paul wrote. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Now think of a parable. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried. That's the death part. That's part one. Now he doesn't mention the waiting, just like the parable does it. But on the third day, he was raised according to the scriptures. There it is again. There is death. There's waiting. And there's life. And through the death and life of one, there is actually thousands and millions that are alive on the other side. The parable has three points, and ultimately, the three points point to Easter. The three points of the parable become the three days of the Easter story. So let's do it this way. Good Friday, there's a death 
And that's kind of strange, right, to call it good? In fact, to show you the uh, irony of that, have you ever noticed that most corporations, businesses, nonprofits, churches develop a logo? And those logos help us connect uh, the organization with the logo. You see the logo, you're reminded of the organization, and hopefully the logo is attractive, and it, it makes you curious, and you kind of think about it, and it pulls you in. So to show you how that works, I'm going to show you a couple logos, and as soon as you see them, you yell out the company that the, that the logos represent. Ready? Number one. Nike. Nike. There you go, Nike. But you all knew that right away. Yeah, Nike. Interestingly, the word Nike was a word used back in Jesus' day. Nike was actually a Greek god, named for a Greek god. Nike was, the, was a victory god, success, accomplishment, winning the day. And so a sporting good company said, hey, we like Nike. We want to be about success and victory. And you know what? We'll develop a swoosh. If you ever wonder what a swoosh is, there it is. There's action. There's movement. The logo's kind of attractive. It piques your curiosity. You begin to think. That's what logos do. There's the Nike logo, and you all knew it. Here's another one. McDonald's, yes, home of the world's best French fries. I've been reading this week that they're getting away with their signature Kraft burgers. I could care less. Just don't mess with the French fries. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, when you see the golden arches, you think McDonald's. You think high-end dining. You think nourishment, right? All right, here's another one. Yeah, for all you burned out hippies, that is not a broken peace sign. That is a Mercedes-Benz logo. And that logo means quality, status, class, envy, make your friends jealous, all that stuff. What's the logo for Christianity? Cross, huh. And so we have lots of jewelry. Some of you have jewelry, some of you are wearing jewelry. Some of you have body art that have crosses on them. But do you realize in Jesus' day, Crosses were means of execution. Crosses were ways of torture. What organization in their right mind would pick an object of torture and execution as its logo? That's not very attractive. Well, an organization that knew something about the three points of the parable and knew something about the three days of Easter because death is the only way to get to life and death is the only way to get to fruitfulness. Death isn't the end of the story. Friday's not the end. Friday's just beginning the story. And after Friday comes Saturday. Now, you can read the Bible all you want. You're not going to find a whole lot of information on what happened on Saturday. But I'd be willing to venture a guess that I know what happened. A whole lot of worrying, a whole lot of wondering, a whole lot of fear, and a whole lot of doubt, and a whole lot of questioning. Think about it. Jesus' followers left their jobs and their careers to follow him. They left the towns and communities that they were networked in. They left their business context. They left their families, their family network, and that was much more important than it is today. They left all of that to follow Jesus, and now Jesus is gone. And the authorities had no problem at all killing their leader. Well, you can bet that if they step out of line even a little bit, they'd have no problem in killing them too. And so my guess is Saturday was sleepless and fearful 
and worrying and wondering and anxiety-filled and all that kind of stuff. You know what it's like to live in a Friday and a Saturday, don't you? You ever feel like you were thrown in a hole in the ground and dirt shoveled on top? Ever feel like the lights have gone out and there's no air and no way out? Maybe you're in the waiting part and you're wondering and you're worried and you're not sure how this story is going to end and you're afraid to even have hope because maybe the hope will somehow work against you and you don't know what to do. But the three days of Easter don't end in silence on Saturday either. The three days of Easter end with life on Sunday. The resurrection changes everything. The resurrection means hope fulfilled. The resurrection means the promise is complete. The resurrection means our hopes will not be disappointed. They will be fulfilled and experienced. When I think of Easter, sometimes I think of credit card transactions. Now, we're among friends, so you can. How many of you have ever done a credit card transaction? Raise your hand. Interesting, you were lying. We're not going to ask you to do one here. If you want, you can give online, by the way. But you've done a credit card transaction. Now, here's how it works. If you do a credit card transaction in a brick-and-mortar store, which I did the other day, you have first purchased some stuff, so now you owe them. You have a debt, and the total comes up on that little thing in front of you, and you shove the card into the device chipped first, right? If it's an old machine, you swipe, but the new one, you kind of shove it in, and the debt, so first your debt appears on the screen, and then you take your credit card and you shove it in, and then what do you do? You wait. You wait. And you wonder if your wife's been shopping. <laughs> and you wonder if the other bill has been paid. Have you ever had a, your credit card declined? You don't have to raise your hand. It, it's kind of embarrassing, right? Now, if you've had it declined, there are lots of reasons your credit card can be declined. Fraudulent activity. Maybe the credit card thinks that somebody has your card illegitimately and they're charging all these things on your card. There weren't any charges like this in the past. And so because of fraudulent activity, we're shutting your card down. Or maybe uh, you have insufficient funds. Maybe you've maxed out the credit card. Maybe you've gone over your debit card fund and you have insufficient funds and it's declined. See, Friday of Easter week is like your debt appearing in the window. And I'll let you know a little secret. When you take your life and your good intentions and you're trying harder and you're turning over a new leaf and you're going to be better and you take your credit card and shove it into the credit card machine, you have insufficient funds to pay that bill. That credit card will be declined. But on that first Good Friday, when your debt appeared in the little window, Jesus said, uh, I won't put a credit card in the slot. I'll put my life on a cross. I'll cover that person's debt. And the world waited. And what happens when the credit transaction happens? Well, if you're looking at that little window at the brick and mortar store and you have sufficient funds, all of a sudden the word approved comes up. You breathe a sigh of relief, and then the receipt starts printing. Or if you're online purchasing something, it says approved, and then checkout's complete. 
And if you're buying something through Amazon Prime, it'll be at your doorstep in two minutes. Uh, Well, on Easter Sunday, when Jesus rose from the dead, that was God saying approved over all of his followers who placed their trust in him. Good Friday is a reminder of our debt that we have insufficient funds to cover. Saturday's the waiting and the wondering phase, but on Easter Sunday, the approved appears. Jesus walks out of the tomb alive. He has sufficient funds, and he willingly paid your debt. I want to introduce you to one more member of our Calvary Church community. His name is John. Now, this was actually recorded back in October. It's John's baptism video. We do have baptisms here, and the primary reason we, we do baptism is because it's a time to share our stories. And it's kind of interesting. Most of the stories follow the three points of the parable. You know, there's kind of a death. You feel like you're in a hole in the ground, and dirt thrown on top, and you're just waiting, waiting. And then there's, there's relief, and there's wonder, and hope is realized. And so the stories often follow the three points of the parable. And as your life gets connected to Jesus, ultimately that will be true. And so this is John's baptism video where he tells his story. And after the video is done, I'll tell you the rest of his story. My life before I knew Christ as my Savior was really quite disastrous. Um, I never felt any true joy. Uh, I was betrayed by the church and my family, uh, lost interest in Jesus Christ, attempted suicide, was totally miserable. I came to know Christ as my Savior on a very specific day. It was my 60th birthday, and I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and given less than a 7% chance to be sitting here today. And I asked God for understanding as to why this happened, and he said, John, the word cancer is a gift to you. Open the book and read it, and you'll see all I want you to do is get closer to my son, Jesus Christ, and I'll take care of the rest. And my, you know, at the time I had uh, my... Mother and father had just passed. We had financial problems, which we still have. Um, But I put all my faith in Christ. And I said, Christ, I can't drive my car anymore. I'll keep crashing it. So I'm going to sit in the passenger seat, and you can take over the wheel. (laughs) My life today, because of my relationship with Christ, has been one of joy. I feel truly blessed. Um, I have a great great wife. I married my high school sweetheart 30-plus years after we broke apart. Um, I'm treated to the kindness of our incredible children, and I have the best friends in the world now. I want people to really know that he has saved me, and he doesn't expect anything back except belief. And I know that for a fact because he's done all the work and he's repaid my debt by his life, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. And I hope that my story will inspire someone else to find Christ. If that's so, then I think I've fulfilled God's will for myself in my lifetime. We had John's funeral service back in March. He'd be thrilled, he is thrilled, that we showed his video this morning. You know, John reminds us of that three-point parable, the three days of Easter. It starts with a death or an apparent death when you're thrown into a hole in the ground and dirt's shoveled on top and you seem like and feel like there's no way out. There's anxiety and worry and waiting. But because of Easter, 
There isn't just relief temporally. There's relief, celebration, and life eternally. Will you join me as we pray? Father, I don't know where everybody is this morning in that three-point parable. I know there are some people here that feel like they've been thrown into a hole in the ground recently. Dirt's been shoveled on top, the light's been extinguished, and they feel like there's no way out and there's no hope at all. Others are in the waiting point of the parable. They're worrying, they're wondering, they're filled with fear and anxiety. Lord, maybe there are even a few that are on the life and joy and celebration part of the parable. Lord, all of the little echoes of that story that we live will culminate in the bigger story of our lives. Because one day there will be a death and there will be waiting. And through Jesus Christ, there can be life forever and ever. Lord, thanks for Easter that connects hope with us forever and ever. We pray in the name of Jesus who makes that possible. Amen. For thousands of years, Christians have practiced an Easter tradition. So I figured we'd practice it a little today. The tradition goes something like this. When two Christians would meet or to see if the other person was following Jesus, one would say, Jesus Christ is risen. And the other person would respond, he is risen indeed. So before we leave, we're gonna do that. If you would, please stand. Now don't yell it out too quickly. I'm gonna read something first that brings together what we've been talking about, the three points of the parable, the three days of Easter, and I think you'll kind of figure out when you're supposed to respond. There was a man named Jesus. He taught like nobody ever taught. He lived like nobody ever lived. He especially had a heart for outsiders, the sick, sinners, the poor, the forgotten, the despised, the rich, the excluded, the hopeless. On Friday, he was arrested. His great love led him to the cross. His great heart stopped beating. On Friday, it looked like a horrible ending to a wonderful life, but it turned out to be the greatest sacrifice of love in the history of the world. On Saturday, there was silence. The king was sleeping, but on Sunday, a stone got rolled away. On Sunday, death lost its sting and the grave lost its victory. On Sunday, hell was defeated. Death was the throne. The devil's doom was guaranteed. On Sunday, the tomb was emptied and hope got fulfilled. On Sunday, faith was vindicated. The soldiers were aggravated. The disciples were animated. On Sunday, sin lost, shame died, hope soared, love won. On Sunday, you get something beyond yourself to live for, something beyond yourself to die for, something beyond your death to hope in. This is the central proclamation of the greatest victory over the darkest enemy by the noblest hero for the loftiest cause in all of human history. If there is anything in this sorry world worthy of celebrating, 
It's that Jesus Christ is risen. Happy Easter.